I'll be reading from Luke chapter 19, verse 28 through 42. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, in the, at the place called the Mountain of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners, its owners asked him, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. As he came near and saw the city, he, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this past week was full of activity for the, the presidential candidates, especially, uh, by the way, is anybody just sick of it? Okay. I think uh, we have a lot more to come, um, but especially with the Super Tuesday primaries in different states this past week, uh, what will probably stand out the most for years to come uh, is what happened in the crowds uh, as uh, there was some protest going on uh, there for Donald Trump and the um, some of the events where he was... Uh, um, showing up and some of the things that were going on. And the uh, normal political hoopla turned quickly into violent clashes as some people in the crowd uh, just began uh, causing trouble and then that caused more trouble. And we all watched those videos probably over and over because the news all week long was about a sucker punch, right? Uh, did you find yourself using that in new ways uh, this past week? I mean, not sucker punching somebody, but using it in your, uh, your conversations with other people. Like, that was a real sucker punch. I mean, how often does that uh, terminology come up? Uh, and it's uh, such a dastardly thing when someone is sucker punched. But that's what took place, and so we've been talking about it. And we've been talking about, or at least uh, people in the news have been talking about, whether or not Trump is responsible for inciting this violence, not necessarily directly, but based on his comments and, you know, the things that he uh, has mentioned, and certainly there are plenty of uh, ads out there by his opposition that uh, point to that. But at the end of the week, most of the talking heads on the news networks think it is possible uh, for the nominees not to be, uh, they don't think it's possible for the nominees to, uh, to not be Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And a lot of Americans have concluded that as well, and they're not very happy about it. A poll at the end of the week shows that almost the majority 
of people in both parties, in, in those respective parties, uh, are not excited about those nominees. They are not excited about Donald Trump. In fact, there is a great movement within the Republican Party to keep him from getting the nomination. Or if he gets the nomination, to uh, create another way of getting around that. So there's a lot of that that's going on. And then for the majority of the Democratic Party, at least in this poll I saw this uh, past Friday, that people are not very excited. The Democrats are not as excited about her being the candidate as they are about Bernie or Joe Biden or somebody else that, that might happen to enter in. There's just not the uh, charisma. And so there is this ongoing conversation about the future of our nation and hope and who it is that could actually make things happen. And so there's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of different opinions out there. Well, there were mixed opinions in the crowd when Jesus was headed into Jerusalem. Uh, back long ago. And as I mentioned, as we began the service, as we held the palm branches, and I I hope you've heard in the scripture that has already been read uh, about how the palms tie into this celebration of what was going on. But there were mixed opinions. Some, especially the disciples. And if you look here in your gospel text, if you'll turn over to that uh, passage as we we look at this together uh, from Luke And as you you see there, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 42. You'll find this also in other gospel accounts, but Luke gives it a specific kind of perspective. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But they were very excited. The disciples were cheering and they were excited about what they were seeing. And they were hopeful about what Jesus had done. Imagine what it would have been like to be there with those disciples or to be a disciple during that time. You've been traveling with Jesus. You have been listening to His voice. And we can just imagine what that would have sounded like as as Jesus was speaking. And if you came to um, our Seder uh, meal that we had last Sunday night, we had a Jewish cantor here, and he spoke a little bit in Aramaic. That is the language that Jesus spoke in, Aramaic. And you also heard Hebrew. Jesus would have spoken in that as well. But the common language for him to use would have been Aramaic. And so, uh, as we can imagine what it would have been like, these disciples were there. They were hearing Jesus. They were seeing Jesus. They were watching the interaction that took place and observing everything he did and everything he said and just kind of, taking it all in. And so they were hopeful. But they were also hopeful about days ahead. They were looking to the future and thinking, we are with the right guy. This guy is getting things done. He's changing the world. He is someone that no one ever would have thought would have been the leader of the world. And yet here he is. I mean, this guy is on his way We're going to continue following him because we believe he can do incredible things. So they found palm branches to wave at Jesus, which is what they would do if a king were to enter into the city or an emperor or someone else. They would wave palm branches and put them down, much like we would do with a red carpet. 
we would display this and say, we welcome you and you are worthy to have such a fine welcome. They shouted to Jesus words from prophecy from long ago about a Messiah who would come. These were meaningful words for them. These were meaningful expressions of faith and hope. Their parents had talked about a Messiah. Their grandparents and great-grandparents and on and on, all of them had been looking toward the future, that somebody would come in and help them, that someone would deliver them as God had delivered them from Egypt, as they were in slavery, and lead them to a better place. That's what they were doing. That's what they were longing for. But there were also some political aspirations. There were some things there they hoped would make an immediate difference in their lives. But they rejoiced that all of this was happening right there in their time. It wasn't going to be for their children. It wasn't going to be for some other generation. It was right there and then. God was breaking into their history. Others, though, in the crowd were not so excited. Luke points out that some of the Pharisees, Pharisees are never excited about anything, are they? How many of you know hypocrites? How many of you are a hypocrite? Okay, good, good answer. It's a great way to end Lent, right? Not lying. But Pharisees, they were not excited. They were not happy with Jesus. And they said to Him, look there in the Scripture, it says, Teacher, Order your disciples to stop. Tell them to quit. Look at what they're doing. They're embarrassing you. This is ridiculous. You're riding on a donkey, first of all. And they're putting palm branches thinking that you're like a king. What a humiliation. Just tell them to stop. And we get the idea that this was less out of their concern for crowd control than it was about jealousy or indignation at how Jesus was leading people in the wrong direction. He was leading them astray with His movement. You know, there had been other people that had come through town who said they were Messiah. I mean, it happened all the time. Just like, uh, just maybe in the last year, somebody had told me uh, that they were Messiah, that they were Jesus. And uh, you just kind of think, well, I'm not sure that you are, but uh, let me hear a little bit more about it. And there were people back then who thought they were the Messiah. And they would go out on a corner in Jerusalem or somewhere else, and they would begin, like a street preacher would do, telling everyone that they had all of the authority and the wisdom and the power. They were Messiah. And so... They just kind of thought, this is what Jesus is doing, but He sure is popular. Yes, He can do miracles and all kinds of amazing things, but no, He's not the Messiah. Whatever the case, we see that the crowd was divided. Some were for Him, some were against Him. Jesus created division in the crowd by what He had been saying and doing all of this time, claiming to usher in the kingdom of God. Right there in the world, that this is what he was doing. And most everyone was all for this, by the way. Just like 
if somebody were to come through town and promise all kinds of things, like maybe took place in your school when someone got up and said, vote for me to be class president. I'm going to put vending machines uh, that will dispense uh, everything for free. And we're going to have, you know, different restaurants come in and give us uh, this wonderful lunch. And we're going to get out of school at noon and we're only going to go for like uh, six months and we're going to be out for a really long summer. And you know, there's no way they could ever give all of that. But you get excited thinking about it. And so they were all excited about this until Jesus gets really specific about it and about what it would look like. You see this happening with Judas. and You see it happening with Peter. You see it happening with others as Jesus gets closer to Jerusalem his words become more disturbing for them. No, Jesus, that's not what I thought you were doing. You're talking about a cross, and you're talking about death, and you're talking about the end of the world and all kinds of things going on. That's not really what I signed up for. Did you notice that there are no hosannas in this parade? I didn't mention that coming in. We usually... Say, let's all say Hosanna as we wave our palm branches. You can see that in the other Gospels. But it's not here. Why doesn't Luke put Hosanna there? And that just means, Lord, save us. And, of course, their thinking is save us from our oppressors. Save us from the people who are taking our property and our money, and taking our livelihood, taking our future away from us. But that's not what Luke says. Luke reports that the crowd was cheering, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. That's a whole different phrase. Where is it that Luke is getting this? Well, Jesus was the candidate for peace sent into the world to bring the peace of heaven. And that's not what the warhawks and the crowd wanted to hear, right? It didn't jive with their to-do list to overthrow the Romans with violence and with revenge. No wonder the crowd was divided. God's entrance for the world is always divisive, isn't it? I mean, think back when Jesus was born. As we just celebrated, it seems like, um, just a few weeks ago. And as Jesus was coming into the world, who was it that immediately opposed him? Even as a baby. King Herod, right? And there's this opposition. There's always opposition to God entering into the world. It is a, a divisive kind of thing. As one commentator puts it, when Jesus enters Jerusalem... His disciples pray for peace in heaven and presumably on earth, which will bring glory in the highest. But his salvation or his, his visitation causes a division. Tom Mullen, who uh, writes in Laughing Out Loud and also another book, uh, Other Religious Experiences, he makes this statement about his denomination, which is the Quaker denomination, the Society of Friends, which, as you know, is a pacifist um, religion or denomination. But this is the quote about them. They work for peace, 
That's what they do. They work for peace. And if you really want to cause conflict, work for peace. Maybe that's why Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They're going to need it, right? If you've ever tried to break up a fight, you know that uh, sometimes you can get right in the middle of it. You can get sucker punched. There, I got it. got it in my phraseology. If you've ever tried to pull two dogs apart from fighting with one another, what happens? Chances are you're going to get bit. It's expensive. It's dangerous to bring peace. And that's what was taking place with Jesus. And it was true for him as he was riding into Jerusalem. And what we get to see today on Palm Sunday is how Jesus parades our way. How he comes our way right now. Right here, March 21st or 20th. What is today? 20th. 2016. Right now, we get to see Jesus on parade. And that's how we begin this Holy Week as Jesus enters into Jerusalem with a unique kind of pomp and circumstance. It is unique in that it was vastly different from how a king or emperor would enter into a city, especially Jerusalem. Jesus, after all, was riding a donkey, not a high-priced stallion or thoroughbred of some sort. No, this is a donkey. It is a choice revealing Jesus' humility and a connection with the poor people around him that he always tended to identify with. I mean, after all, Jesus was homeless, right? He said, I I have no place. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Homeless. And so Jesus took his place among the homeless and the poor and those who were beaten down. But he also rides with purpose, courageously heading to his destination and the controversy and the challenge that awaited before him. He had stirred things up, and he was going into a city that was all stirred up. And yet he proceeds with unshrinking momentum, not allowing the naysayers and the religious snobs. Don't you just despise religious snobs? You know, the people who look down on you and, and um, think that they are holier than you are and, you know, your sins are horrible, but there's, they're few in number. And these are the kinds of people Jesus seemed to tick off the most. I think he enjoyed that. And maybe we should too. But also the division of the crowd, he didn't allow them or the threats of pending violence or the oppressive rulers ahead of him keep him from moving forward. He didn't let them get in his way. He decided he was going to move on and do what God had called him to do. And isn't that the way Jesus parades here before us today? He is a man on mission, setting out to change our world. As Luke writes... Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Peace in heaven. Well, that would mean peace on earth, according to Jesus. And that's what they really wanted. That's what most of our world 
really wants, isn't it? I mean, most of us around the world don't want to partake in killing one another. Most of us don't want to see our land blown up by bombs and and all kinds of terror. We don't want to live with that kind of threat. But that's the reality. We would much rather have the peace of heaven. And that's where we find ourselves. I mean, isn't that what you really want? To know that the peace of heaven can intersect with your life here on earth? Peace in our families? By the way, that's like the hardest place to have peace, isn't it? Most violent crimes take place by those who know each other. And even those who claim to love one another, and probably do. But that's where the intensity really boils up. And there can be a real lack of peace, or the peace that is lacking between two people in a family that have not talked to each other in years. Anybody have a family member like that? Anybody a family member like that? Bitterness. Anger. What a tragedy. What about peace in our city? Don't we need more of that? Perhaps there is this reality of God's presence and peace of heaven intersecting with our city. That as we think about our commissioners, as we think about our city council, as we think about the issues that go on in our community day after day, maybe that peace of heaven could have a say in what takes place here. What about in our state legislature? Probably not, right? No? Wouldn't it be great to have peace down in Baton Rouge? What about peace with our national leaders? as they're trying to find a Supreme Court uh, justice or find a solution to this, and as both parties are pitted against one another. What about peace there? What about peace between the nations of our world? And don't we long most of all for that experience of peace just here inside of us? That peace that comes from knowing that we are at peace with God. You might feel like you're at war with God. Or that God's at war with you. Right? Ever feel that way? God's after me. (laughs) What about seeing that God is after you in a completely different way? Seeing that God has reconciled you to Himself forgiving you of your sins and and everything that gets in the way of a relationship of peace with God. What about seeing it that way? That's the peace Jesus represented in that parade of long ago. And it's the one that He presents to us today. His message is still making a difference, still bringing reactions from those who hear His message uh, or just catch a glimpse of Him from a seemingly safe distance. Our crowd of today is full of different reactions like theirs. Jesus continues to bring division with His message and His actions. For some people, Jesus is a disappointment. 
I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes Jesus, for you, is disappointing. These in our crowd thought Jesus would make them rich or popular or well or successful or powerful only to find that this is not what Jesus was about. For others in the crowd of today, Jesus is their only hope. They have seen Him do amazing things for other people in the past, delivering them from illnesses or addictions or poverty or whatever it is. They've seen it happen. People get a brand new life from Jesus, and they believe it will happen for them too one day. Jesus will make things better. Jesus will bring peace and heal the world just like He healed their blind neighbor. We see these things and we wonder, when's it coming my way? Where's my blessing? Both sides of the division have certain expectations about what Jesus will or won't do for them. And there are plenty of people who are just in the middle somewhere, right? That's probably where we find ourselves mostly. We're in the middle. Sometimes we're disappointed. Sometimes we find all of the hope and meaning that comes from the peace of Christ. What about you? Where are you in the crowd as we wave our palms today? As you reflect on an image that is coming up on the screen, hopefully, and as you reflect on it this morning and as you go into Holy Week, I invite you to ask yourself that question. Just look at the image. Think about where you are. Thank you.